So a few days ago, New Orleans got hit by some tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're from New Orleans and I hope you're all okay, I hope your family's okay, I'm sending you lots of love. But I called my mom and I was like, is everything okay with these tornadoes? She goes, oh, yeah, we're fine. Thank God. You know, I prayed when I found out because I was like, Jesus, don't take my house. I just put up my Christmas decorations. <laughs> like, mom, <laughs> wrong answer, wrong response. DBs. And welcome to I Think Not. We are on episode two. For those of you who are new, welcome. How'd you find us? Have a seed, have a sandwich, have a popsicle if you're thirsty. Yeah. If you're down Have bitch- a popsicle if you're thirsty. Yeah. They quench your thirst. It's like when you were little and you used to say, like, I don't need to take a bath tonight. I went swimming. <laughs> Did you ever say that when you were little? Probably. Yeah. Like, you're like, right. Mom, I don't need to take a bath. I went no. swimming. Yeah, you're like, you smell like a chlorine nightmare. So it's like if you have a popsicle, you've hydrated yourself. Okay. Just follow my logic. Great. Think about it. I have it. <laughs> Welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where Joey Taranto and I recap your favorite true crime TV shows and all of the camp that goes along with it. And if you're wondering where we got the title of our new show, it's actually a biblical reference. It's a biblical reference. Yeah, it's from Galatians. 517, where Jesus was walking on a person. (laughs) Yeah, you are following. And he said, "Uh, I think the f not, you trick ass bitch. That's the new King James Version. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're popping around to all kinds of true crime TV shows. We have a list a mile long of shows that you love, that you want us to cover. We're going to pick an episode. We're going to be bouncing around to bank heist, Ponzi schemes, maybe a little murder. Today, we're doing a little bit of stalking. We are bringing you a show Lord. called Stalked. Not like the celery stick. Stalk. Stalked. We are so excited to jump into this new show. I think not. Season three, episode six, Idol Worship, tells the story of Jessica Sierra. She made it onto one of the hottest shows on TV. Now I'm going to be singing in front of millions and millions of people. It's very exciting to have fans. But she would find out that the price of fame can lead to the ultimate cost. What a person is that crazy. You don't know what they're going to do. This is Jessica Sierra's story. When a young woman's dream is threatened by a deadly obsession. So right off the bat, we hear an actual recording of a psychopath. Saying, yeah, and he says, I'm getting tired of bothering you. We learn at the top. We learn a little bit about stalking. I love learning about tops. I know. Oh, God. I walked right into that one. (laughs) That's on me. One point, Joey. Zero points, me. No, we learn that over three million people are stalked in this country. Now, stalking is no laughing matter. This is scary as shit. However, I would like to point out that one of the favorite songs of our podcast is a song that's kind of borderline stalkery. What is it? I had to escape. The oh, city it is. was sticky and cruel. Here we go. Maybe, Maybe I should have called you first, but I was dying to get to you. Yeah, you should always 
call first. At the bare minimum, you should text when you go into someone's house. They could have a person over. They could be busy. They could be on the toilet. They could be sitting on their couch in their bare bum eating a Hot Pocket. Smoking you a joint watching Wednesday. Yeah, but the song goes on because it says, I drove home night to get to you. And then it says, crept into, into your, your room. room, woke you from your sleep to make love to you. Is that all right? No, no it's, it's not, not all right. No, <laughs> it's not all right. You can't be up in these streets, Celine Dion glorifying stalkers. Although Celine Dion didn't write it. Who well, wrote it? Is it Roy Orbison? He sang it originally. No. Cindy Lauper wrote that song. No, she did. And I'm looking at it right now. I Drove All Night is a song written and composed by American songwriters Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly and originally intended for Roy Orbison. Orbison recorded the song in 1987, the year before his death, but his version was not released until 1992. I really thought Cindy Lauper wrote it. You said that with your whole chest. I appreciated that because you're not all night. You're not wrong often, but when you are, it tastes like candy. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, it's very stalkery. Uh, Celine Dion should not have perpetuated that. That's all I'm saying. I know, but, but it is a great song to sing along to. Okay, to be a stalker. Anyway, yep. Let's go on with the story of Jessica Sierra. Jessica Sierra is born in 1985 and grows up in a tight-knit family in Tampa, Florida, close to her beloved grandparents who she calls Meemaw and Peepaw. My mother died when I was three, but my grandmother is a very loving, nurturing person. Early on, Jessica's grandmother recognizes that she has a special gift. When I heard Jessica, very small, I thought, hmm, she does have the voice of an angel. So Jessica grew up in, wait for it, Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Now listen, if you live in Florida, if you are born and raised in Florida, chances are you are destined to be bothered. Mm. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. Everything's a bother there. Because between the gators, the folks who eat bath salts for breakfast, mm-hmm. and Governor Ron DeSantis, who does not want you saying the word gay in the Dollar Tree, yeah. you're going to be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Jessica Sierra tells us she had the Meemaw and the Peepaw of all the sweetest little lamb chups in the world, the best people that they, she could have been raised by, and they're here. And they recognized pretty early on that Jessica could sing, and Meemaw was like, she had the voice of an angel. I'll be the judge of her. Well, yeah, voice of an angel, that one. Sing me the, that, that uh, I believe the children of the future song. <laughs> sing the I, be- I will leave a room. Yeah. I'm not going to hear, you're not going to. I believe the children of our future. No, no. You are not going to hold me prisoner to this child's hellish vocals. <laughs> I'd rather have Christmas dinner with Laura Osnes. Oh! Okay. <laughs> that was niche. But like many people, Jessica started singing in church at the age of five. I'll bet she didn't sing Man in the Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just retold this story to a family member, and my brother Joe is cracking up. My mother goes, I don't remember that. I'm like, Ma, you don't remember the time I got up in front of my entire congregation, not only saying Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror, but saying it like Michael Jackson? How did she not remember that? I, I'm going to make it. 
change. Oh, what a smile. They're like, if you want to sound like Michael Jackson, just do a reverse hiccup. I went, it's going to feel real good. It's going to make a difference. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, my mother does not remember this. My brothers do because they had to bear the brunt of the secondhand embarrassment for their whole life. What's the craziest thing you sang in church? Babe, do you know what I did when I was 16 years old? No. For Father's Day. Oh, God. I got up. I swear to God. And sang the wind beneath my wings. Oh God! To my dad, and a congregation full of women just shook their head, and men, and they all were like, "That boy is gay," and I really believe that. And you know what? They, they were, were not right. wrong. Yeah. In August 2004, 18 year old Jessica gets the chance of a lifetime. She's a Mima. I'm going to Orlando. You're auditioning for American Idol. Jessica enters the competition along with over 100,000 other hopefuls. It was very overwhelming to her to think, wow, you know, I'm going to have to go up against all these people. I need to stand out. Jessica is thrilled when the judges call her back with incredible news. She's one of only 12 finalists to make it to Hollywood. Jessica's family realized that this is what she was meant to do. She was meant to be on stage. So we fast forward to August 2004. Great year for music. Yeah. American Idiot came out by <gasps> Green Day. Don't want to be an American idiot. <laughs> but also, I'll spread my wings and I'll learn how to fly. I'll do what it takes till I catch the sky. And oh my God, but it's Breakaway and this is what we're talking about. Yes. Oh! Okay, so Jessica decides to head to Orlando with 100,000 of her bestie boozicals and audition for American Idol. Can we talk about American Idol? Yes. What a phenomenon. Well, so she was auditioning for season four. Ready? One, two, three, who won season four? Carrie Underwood. That's only because I told you that this morning, you bitch. That's not true. Well, I mean, here's the thing with American Idol. I grew up on Star Search. Did you watch Star Search when you were a kid? Absolutely. I mean, but like the thing about Star Search was that the judges rated everything. Yes. The thing about American Idol was America voted, right? And I was glued to those first couple seasons of Idol because since Star Search, there had been nothing like this. And then we had never seen anything the likes of which a Mr. Simon Cowell. We had never seen anything on TV like Simon Cowell. Am I right? Now I look back and I'm like, this is abuse. It is. He was the meanest. I'll give you a tip for future auditions. Don't. I don't mean to be unkind, but you have one of the worst singing voices possibly in Miami. Don't take this personally, but... Oh, please. No, I mean it. I mean, he was so mean. Cruel. And he got meaner as the years went on. Oh, he did. But the thing that we loved about American Idol was that it's like the same reason we love TikTok. It's like anybody can be a star. and You you can be working at the Shake Shack one minute and then you have maybe a record deal the next. It's very true. You know, I mean, it's just, it's great. Everybody loves an underdog story. I was really, really glued to those first like five seasons. Who Who is like your number one from American Idol? I mean, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, same. But I mean, listen, Carrie Underwood, she is gorgeous and she is so, She came so, to Kinky Boots. So talented, yeah. And very, very nice. And we're friends with Dave Cook. Constantine Maroulis. Who I replaced in Rock of Ages. God, I don't think I actually realized how connected to American Idol I am. Yeah, I did Paula Abdul's makeup once. Yeah, I mean, listen, they basically all you have to do is stand in line in the cold and maybe you can be famous. Wait a minute. <gasps> we both auditioned for American Idol. Oh, yeah. We're, get, we're getting off the rails. But yes, I auditioned for season two with a one Patricia Hines. But... The need to, you know, stick out is very, very real 
as exemplified by the best American idol there's ever been, and that is Mary Roach. <laughs> I feel the earth move, falling <laughs> I feel the sky falling down, falling <laughs> down. That one? Yeah. They had no qualms about humiliating Humiliating. People. So Jessica auditioned, and they did not play a single one of her auditions. So we're not going to do an episode on American Idol and not play part of her audition. Roll tape! How excited Jessica and her family were to get on the top 12. That was a big fucking deal. There they are, your top 12. It was awesome. We were all ecstatic. She called me. I made it, I made it, I made it. And she's crying, we're crying. And we were so proud of her. Early on, she catapults to the top as a favorite contestant. Jessica. Yes. Without question, the best vocal female performance we've had so far. Absolutely. And it's so hard to get past the first round because oh my God. most of the people who are working there, listening to those people sing, they look like they'd rather eat a pine cone than yeah. be there. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, that's really impressive. And at this point, over 26 million people. It's even more than that. I actually Googled it. On average, between season three and five, 30 million people tuned into Idol Nightly. Now, I don't think people watch that show like they used to. I Googled it. They only have about 5 million viewers now. Idol was a big fucking deal. At any moment, she could have had 30 million eyes on her. That's wild. That is wild. From living like a small town life and then all of a sudden, everyone knows who you are. Yeah, so she made it all the way to the top 12. Okay, so she got voted off at 10th place. She made it about seven weeks in. Still Still pretty good. Huge, huge, huge from hundreds of thousands of people. She's famous now. Famous fun, famous dangerous. In 2005, after American Idol, Jessica goes home to Tampa to figure out her next career move. There, she is bombarded by calls from agents and producers. One day, Jessica's grandmother gets a call from California. A man named Daniel Young introduces himself as a music producer. And I said, Jessica, there was a producer called and he wanted to get in touch with you. So I gave him your phone number. When Daniel calls her cell phone, Jessica eagerly picks up. Famous fun until you get an unstable Mabel who shows up and is like, I love you. Yeah, and that is what happened. That is what happened. So in 2005, after getting voted off, Jessica returns to Tampa. Well, she's figuring out what's next for her. You know, it's a lot. And also, if you've never been in show business and you have no idea how that works... That is a very daunting task. And you're also fielding a lot of phone calls that are bullshit. Yes. Anybody can say, hi, I'm an agent. Like, hi, I'm a producer. Hi, I make records. Well, well, one day Jessica's Meemaw gets a call from California from a man named Daniel Young. And Daniel's like, I'm a music producer. And Jessica is very excited when Daniel calls. You know that I told my mom years ago. Don't you ever give my phone number out to anyone? Mm-hmm. Because she did that a couple times, and I and I was like, I love you. 
I don't care about somebody's second cousin from Piedmont, North Dakota, who has a cat that can sing. Yeah. I don't care. Don't give my number out. Yeah, I mean, nowadays it's not that hard. If someone wants to find you, they're going to find you. I really you, hate that. Yeah, but it's true. But in 2005, it wasn't like that. Yeah, so Daniel calls Jessica. She's very excited to hear from him. And he's like, hey, I'm a producer. I'm a songwriter. I'd love to write some songs for you to sing. Yeah, he wanted to collaborate. And if you get a call like that, your first instinct isn't to think that anyone has malintent. Oh, of course not. Your first not. instinct is to be like, oh my God, that's so exciting. You know, I can't wait. She has been seen by millions and millions of people at this point. That call is absolutely to be expected. It's like when you called me to join this podcast. I was super excited until I realized you're slowly trying to kill me. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, who can I absolutely be better than at all times? (laughs) I'm going to call Joey to make me look good. That is how I look good by making others look bad. You ain't better than a little old chicken dick. (laughs) All right? That's what... But no, I mean, all to say, like, why would she question anybody's intentions? But listen, after a couple minutes, you know, he was complimenting her, complimenting her voice. And then he got a little weird right away. But after speaking to Jessica for only a few minutes, Daniel starts getting personal. And then it went from I'm a producer and songwriter to what are you doing today? You're really beautiful. Jessica tells him she's not interested and hangs up. But instantly, Daniel calls back. He said, why did you hang up on me? Why don't you want to talk to me? That's when the hairs on the back of my neck were like, ooh. Jessica's no dummy. Yeah. She caught on pretty quickly and she's like, uh, honestly, I'm not interested. Thank you for the call. I'm going to go. And she hangs up. Thank fucking God. Because if your gut says something, listen to that bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was pretty awesome. I did too. Because not a lot of people are comfortable telling others when they're uncomfortable. Not a lot of people want to see the red flags that are right in front of them. But y'all, Jessica's not, not today for Jessica. Yeah. So y'all, baby Daniel is bothered. Yeah. It turns out he's going to stay bothered because he starts calling Jessica incessantly Mm -hmm. over and over again. And she picks up the phone like right after she had hung up on him and he's not happy. And he's like, why did you hang up on me? Why won't you talk to me? And so now Jessica's like, okay, oh, Papa Tooney, we got a loony. Yeah. And his messages are not only getting more and more frequent, they're getting more desperate. Yeah. Call me. I want to talk to you. You don't know me. Give me a chance to talk to me. Here's a chance. We're talking like 10 plus calls a day. Now, I'm going to be real honest for a second. I'm going to see if you did this too. Because in my head, I thought, well, why doesn't she block the number? Well, why doesn't she change her number? And it's so crazy how I unintentionally placed the responsibility of victimization on the victim. Sure. I wasn't meaning to do that, you know, but like... I mean, the same thought crossed my mind, like, why don't you just change your phone number? But then again... It shouldn't be the victim's responsibility to change their behavior to avoid getting stalked. It should be the stalker's responsibility to change their behavior and not stalk someone. But isn't that crazy? Like, how, like, our mind is conditioned? Because I was like, wait a minute. Why should she have to uproot her life, call the fucking phone company, send her number to all her new friends? Yeah. Now, and that's a pain in the ass. It is. And, then, and also, she's not forcing you. She I, didn't put a gun to your head and say, bother me. You exactly. were choosing to bother her. Now, remember, this is 2005. The iPhone wasn't invented till the middle of 2007. And call blocking wasn't the push of a button. Oh. You know what I mean? So it's not that she could just block right. a number sure. like we can now. You get a number. I am I am trigger happy with that block button, honey. honey. Same. I blocked you yesterday 
there just because I want to hear from you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I did blow up your phone yesterday. No, you didn't, and I would never know. You didn't. You texted me twice. I have a new neighbor, and I was at her Christmas party getting my mom drunk. <laughs> my mom got so drunk, she butt-dialed my aunt. My aunt, not her sister, my dad's sister-in-law. She butt-dialed her. I was like, oh, hi, Sally. What is the Christmas party? <laughs> did she say, hey, do you know where your brother is? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? So, Dr. Michelle Ward pops up here, and she tells us what's what. Celebrity stalkers in general are lonely, dejected people. And sometimes their only relationship with the outside world is their television. He thinks that, gosh, we're meant to be together. And if I can just get in front of her, she will see that too. Now, I haven't practiced medicine for a very long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm new to the medical field. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, there are those people that, like, can't differentiate life from television. Yo, sure. Now, it's also really scary because this man knew what she looked like. She didn't know what he looked like. Yeah, that's what's so scary. A stalker can find out every bit of information, but they get to hide behind a phone or a screen. That is terrifying. Well, anonymity is, I mean, we see it now with social media. The things that people can do with complete anonymity, the words they use, how cruel and mean they can be, and they can harass people. It's But let me tell you something. If somebody called me and was like, hey, you don't know me, but I know you and we are destined to be together. I'd be like, sir, you are destined for prison and a lifetime of pooping in front of your cellmate. Okay, (laughs) we are not destined to be together. It's uh, yeah. So now these messages aren't like lovey dovey. Now they're like scary. Like, yeah, like pick up your phone. Why aren't you picking up your phone? Yeah. Acting like a jealous boyfriend. And poor Jessica is like. I don't know you. What are you supposed to do with a crazy person? This man's nuttier than a squirrel turd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so scary. And it's no laughing matter. Like, I. No, he's acting like a jealous boyfriend. So he is fully delusional. Yeah. Then, in late 2005, Jessica gets a call from a legitimate producer asking her to come to Nashville to record an album. It's an offer she can't refuse. I moved out there and started working on an album. Jessica throws herself into her work. But all the while, she can't stop looking over her shoulder, terrified that Daniel is close behind. That's the phone call she's been waiting for her whole life. It's what she dreamed of, and, and that's what she did. She packed up, she went to Nashville, and she dove right on in. Yeah, so one day she's working, living her dreams, and she's walking down the street, and she gets a call from a number she doesn't know. Right. It's not the, you know, the number that she's seen, but... It is Daniel. Yeah. And he says, I know. You shouldn't be walking around by yourself. How fucking terrifying. Baby, do you want to meet the other end of this taser gun? I will tase you in a puddle of water and you're not coming back from that. It is nuts. Here's the other thing. I know I say this a lot. I don't understand why anyone would want to not just, I mean, obviously, I don't understand how why people want to hurt, physically harm someone. Why would you want to make someone live in fear? I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, this young girl is just living her best. She's living her dream. And you're coming in and you're destroying her life. Fuck you, asshole. Patton Oswalt said the most interesting thing. I mean, he was talking about people who murder, but he was basically saying the people who are like zilches, they have nothing to give to the world. Right. So all they can do is take. Oof. 
You know what I That's mean? That's terrifying. Yeah. It's like when you have nothing to contribute, all you can do is hurt someone, harm someone, make somebody fear for their life. Well, it's like we always say, like someone with nothing to lose is terrifying. Yeah. Terrified, Jessica goes to the police to report him. I talked to a detective. He said, well, we can't do anything. Nothing's happened. He hasn't harmed you. But if something happens, let us know. So now you're telling me basically I either have to be harmed or he has to kill me. So Jessica goes to the police and I'm like, oh, thank my lucky stars. And the police are like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, we hear you there, sweet cheeks. We can't do anything because nothing has happened. Has he hurt you? And she's like, no, not yet. So you're not going to do anything until I'm, what, hurt or dead? Yeah, what do you want, my severed head in a box mailed to you? They were like, well, let us know if something happens. Like, can we change those laws? Like, somebody having eminent and real fear for themselves, their body, their family, is not enough to constitute any kind of protection. Can we stop the shit before the shit happens? Yeah, I know. It is scary because I was thinking about it, like, again, like, with anonymity, if they don't know who he is or where he is, but then I'm like, subpoena that shit. Something. But but it's easy for us to sit here and be like, you're an asshole. Nobody should nobody should have to live. It doesn't matter what you put out or how you put your life out in public, nobody has the right to make you feel fearful to walk down the street. And the fact of the matter is, have you ever been uh, somewhere where like, and a friend is like, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. And you know they're looking at you and you're like, hi, you're wearing a black jacket. You're like, where are you? Oh my God, that's so creepy. Imagine that being a stranger. Imagine that being a stranger who wants to cause you harm. It's true. But also like, wouldn't you be like, all right, well, I mean, if it were me, I would be like, look at all these calls, all from the same number. It's just, is that not enough? Yeah, but you know what they would say? They would be like, I mean, they're just calls. Just yeah. ignore them. What what can happen? It's like you always say, do not mess with crazy people. Do not try a crazy people. Don't mess with old people either because old people, they don't give a fuck. Don't mess with morning people. Morning people cannot be trusted. <laughs> anyway. Trust no one. So now listen, Jessica's like, fine, y'all ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to take my own power back. And she understands that knowledge is power. And so she and her friend decide to find out who Daniel is. Jessica is desperate to find out anything she can about him. Together with a friend, she looks him up and discovers some disturbing details. We reverse searched his phone number and found he was 59 years old. We also found an arrest record for domestic violence with a weapon. It went from being this crazy guy's calling me to now we've got a violent person calling me. So they reverse search his number, which is very smart. Which is very smart, but also scary. The burden of investigation should not lay on the victim. It shouldn't lay on Jessica, but honestly, what other choice does she have? And she finds out it's just as creepy as ever. The man is 59, and he has... Domestic violence charges. With a weapon. With weapons. So this She is... followed her gut, though. Her gut was fucking spot on. Yeah. Like, that just goes to show you she knew something was off. Well, honey, when you grow up in Florida, you got to listen to your gut. Yeah. It's the only thing saving you. <laughs> so this is really scary because Daniel's not just a stalker. He's a violent man. And so now Jessica's super paranoid, yeah. justified, as anyone would be. And she's feeling like she's always being watched. She never goes out alone, yeah. which sucks, but also smart. And Mima was like, listen, let's not wait and see what happens. Come home. 
which is the smartest thing, but also so unfair. She's well, in Well, you know Nashville. why she said that? What? She said that because the voicemail that was the mm. impetus for that was, if I can't have you, no one yeah. can. Yeah. That is terrifying. No, it's terrifying. But there she is, following her dreams, yeah. living her best life, recording music in Nashville, doing everything she wanted. And this ghost of a person yeah. w- w- who's giving her real, real threatening behavior that she has to take seriously is taking that the fuck away from her. Yeah. That's not fair. No, he's robbing her of a life. He's robbing her of her dreams. Daniel, you can choke. Yeah, but Mima is right. So she gets in the car. She drives 700 miles home from Tampa from Nashville just to keep her safe. Absolutely. And Jessica is still paranoid, though. She feels like she's always being watched. And so after she makes it home a few days later, Daniel calls again. And guess what? Guess what that man says? He says, I'm so sorry for Uh all I've done. I'm going to stop doing this. I apologize for everything I've put you through. Just kidding. He says, I know you're in Tampa and I'm going to be there and I'm coming there. And in fact, they have another actual recording of this man. You know what? I'm going to come to Tampa. I got to see you face to face. This is not going to end. I'm not going to leave you alone. That's for sure. That is certifiable. That is the most menacing voice I've ever heard. And again, she's got to take him at his word. So the next day she gets a call. He's in Florida and he's mad. Yeah. And you know what, though? She's mad now. Yeah. Because she's like, you know what? I've seen enough starring Jennifer Lopez. I'm going to go buy knives, little pocket knives, and I'm going to hide them in my car, in my purse, in my pocket. I will be covered in knives and ready for you, sir. Yeah. She hides them everywhere. She's prepared to defend herself. So Daniel can't get a hold of her. And that makes him very, very upset. So he calls Meemaw and says, hey. Where is Jessica? Like, what? she's supposed to, I'm at the airport. She's supposed to be here picking me up. And Mima, let me tell y'all something. <laughs> Do not mess with a Southern grandmother, especially if she goes by Mima, because I promise you she has a blue rinse and a sawed-off shotgun with your name on it. <laughs> Don't piss her off. Oh, no. She's going to turn you into a pin cushion. Yeah. <laughs> especially this one. Mima's like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> I was like, Mima, please don't make it angry. She was like, please you are crazier than a shithouse rat. Get out of here. Yeah, and so Dr. Michelle Ward is back, and she's like... Daniel has clearly lost all touch with reality now. He's actually behaving as if everyone should recognize that he's in a relationship with Jessica. If Daniel shows up and realizes that all these players in his delusional fantasy aren't participating, he could become very aggressive. Was he ever in touch with reality? Wait, I think not. Are you a doctor? Or did you <laughs> are your hands sticky from the cracker jacks? She's like, look, a doctor's certificate. <laughs> yeah, babe. He has lost touch with reality. And the thing about Daniel, because he's experiencing extreme delusion, mm-hmm. if people outside of that delusion don't play along with his delusion, yeah. he is very prone to becoming violent. And we already know. He has a history of violence. It's very scary. It really is. And it's and she is acting accordingly. But for some reason, we have to dance around his little baby fragile ego because he's not getting what he wants. And it's like, you know, I do have to say that, like, we use the word stalker kind of like as a joke. 
right? Yeah. You know, you like stalk someone, you cyber stalk someone, you go into your ex-partner's Instagram and before you know it, you're at the cousin's quinceanera and then you're on their dog's Instagram liking a post from 92 weeks ago. We use that word, but stalking is, it's, I mean, it's a crime. Yeah. And it's really scary. This is scary. For those who are experiencing actual stalking, Yes. I mean, Franklin Roosevelt said there is no fear, have no fear, nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I fear crazy people and the IRS (laughs) and my own internal anxieties. Yeah. And coming to terms with my own inadequacies as a person. Okay, there's a lot of fear. Wow. That that all just fell apart fast. Sorry about that. Hi, girl. Better help us here. (laughs) Then Jessica gets another call from Daniel. He says he's at a diner downtown, and soon he's going to catch a cab to her grandmother's house. Jessica has no time to lose. This guy's dangerous. I feared that he would show up with a weapon. She's terrified of what will happen when she comes face to face with her stalker. So poor Jessica gets another call. And he's closer. And I'm coming to your Mima's house shortly. Yeah. So she's like, no the fuck you're not. Speaking of Jennifer Lopez in Enough. Yeah. She was like, enough is enough is enough. I can't go on. I can't go on. No more now. Enough is enough. Remember when we say that? <laughs> Great song. Now, I can't say that I blame Jessica here. But I wouldn't recommend this. But I understand why she did this. Okay, I do too. And I kind of feel like you and I would do this. Yes. Simply because when you feel so out of control, I would be like, it's like the end of Act 1 in August Osage County. At the end of Act 1, she's like, what? I'm in control now. Eat your fish, bitch. Work. Yeah. I get that. I really do. I mean, however, you and I are not the litmus for good decisions. So <laughs> so Jessica disguises herself. She grabs a hoodie out of the back of her car, glasses, and she's like, oh, you're heading to the diner? Guess where the fuck I'm going? To that fucking same diner. I'm not scared of you. Be scared. Yeah. Be scared. Be scared. But listen, she's had enough of that human toilet. I get it. I and really, so really do. She shows up and she sees a man with luggage getting into a car and she's like, that's got to be him. Yep. It's got to be him. And she starts following him and sure enough, he is on the path to grandmother's house. Yep. And poor Mima is like, I don't care about myself. I, I care can worry about you. Yeah, I care about Jessica. She's putting herself at risk because she's been very scared. And she's just been sitting back and she's trying to regain that control. I get it. She's not only scared for herself, she's scared for her family. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that you can only push someone around so far before yeah. they're going to react. I don't care how meek and mild they are. Yeah. I had a lot of fear for my family's safety. So I called my dad. He said, I'm on my way. I had no idea what he was capable of, but I was prepared to do anything it took. As Jessica follows Daniel's cab, she calls her grandmother to warn her. I'm calling my grandparents. He's like on the freeway. He's like 10 minutes from your house. Jessica is terrified, fearing that she and her family are headed for a violent confrontation. 
Jessica deter- is terrified, but she's determined and on her way. Thank God mm-hmm. she spots a policeman. Yeah. And she pulls over and she's like, please follow me. This story, it's crazy. I know it. This man's stalking me. He's here. He's got weapons. She tells him what's going on. Thank God that cop. Thank God she even saw him. Yeah, but thank God he was like, I'll come with you. And he didn't pull some, do you have proof? Do you have this? That cop went to DBU and he was like, let's go, baby. For real. Yeah. Thank God that man turned out to be a real blessing. So Jessica gets there just mere moments before old Dingling Daniel shows up. And do you know old Dingling Daniel, that reenactment actor, who does he remind you of? Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yep. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Thank you, Cinnamon. Yeah. I was like, baby, you are a clearance rack, Steve Buscemi. If I, <laughs> you are the non-sag version of Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Anyway. Who needs some clear eyes. Yeah. Clear eyes. Dry eyes. Clear eyes. <laughs> what happens in our minds? Ben Stein. He was funny. Yeah. Is he ba- still with us? Please don't challenge me like that. I already got in so much trouble with Tim Curry. So, I'm sorry, we left you right at the cliffhanger. Yeah, so- I'm so sorry. Sure enough, moments after Jessica gets home, Daniel's cab comes around the corner and pulls right up to the house. What follows is sheer chaos. My 80-year-old grandfather comes running through the house with a shotgun, threatening to blow the dude's head off. But the police officer intervenes and puts Daniel in the squad car. And baby, he pulls up right to the house. And y'all, did I lie? I don't lie. You don't mess with Meemaw, and you don't mess with Peepaw. Because Peepaw came running out of that house with a shotgun and says, listen here, you pickled prune of a man. I will blow your head off. And thankfully, the cop intervenes (laughs) and puts Daniel in the squad car. And then... Papa Joseph gets there, and he's like, stay the fuck away from my kids. Stay the fuck away from my mom. Stay the fuck away from you. And, oh, Daniel's fuck it bucket was empty. Yep. Because this low-life scum on the inside corner of a Petri dish was not listening (laughs) to Papa Joseph. He was staring at Jessica going, I love you. We're meant to be together. Sir, go fucking choke on your own saliva. That is disgusting. That's a last-ditch effort at control and manipulation right there. That Absolutely. Is but, up. like, what did you think was going to happen? That she was going to be like, you know what? You know what you did, Daniel? Yeah. You got me. Oh, yeah. You wore me down. No, but he's sick. He's mentally ill, and nobody was listening. I love a man who sweats from his ears. Let's get married. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> So the cops also, in that cab that Daniel was in, find a fucking knife. A big one. Yeah. And so Jessica knows at this point, she's like, that man was going to kill me. Yeah. Because remember, he said, if I can't have you, nobody can. Mm -hmm. And he meant it. Yeah. Daniel is arrested for stalking and taken to jail. But to Jessica's great disappointment, after four months, he is judgmentally unfit to stand trial and released into the care of a guardian in California. Sometimes we see this in stalking cases. The stalker gets diagnosed with a mental illness and therefore receives a lighter sentence. And in the absence of proper psychiatric care, they return back into society only to stalk again. So he's arrested. It's pure luck 
that all those people were there to help Jessica, that that guy was just a little off on his timing, that Mima was a down bitch, that Papa Joseph was a down bitch, that Peepaw was a down bitch. Luckily, this is the thing. If she didn't have all those down bitches around, then we might be doing a totally different show right now. It's really sad. And honestly, I my heart breaks for Jessica because he robbed her of so much. Oh, yeah. He, and, and also, you can't experience something like that that is so deeply traumatic where you're living in fear every day, all day, and not have PTSD from it. Yeah. However, he can't stand trial due to his mental state. He is obviously suffering from mental illness, and they did not think he was fit to stand trial. So he's released to a guardian. Yeah. And I just wrote, what? Yeah. That is fucking weird. This they is, were like, we don't want to be bothered with you. That's what it feels like. why time and time again, the law is not designed to protect women. Yep. Agreed. They let her down. They let her down. Released to a guardian. Now, thank God he was in California. What if that guardian was in Florida? What if that guardian was in Tennessee? I don't care what someone's mental state is. When they show up. At the home of someone they've been stalking with a fucking butcher knife? Yeah. Babe, do something. You're just going to let them go scot-free and live with their cousin, Plukey? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We don't have any information. Ladies, I'm sorry. To- I'm sorry that it's like this. So January 9th, 2008, Daniel died. Yeah. We don't know how. It says natural causes. Burning I didn't hell. give it a Google because I don't fucking care. Now, I'm sure that guardian put a pillow over his face while he slept. I, I mean, whatever. It says natural causes. There's got to be more than You don't just. Okay. So now Jessica feels safe from him, but just the fear of knowing that can happen. What if it happens again? You know, just just that fear that that even happened to her. She lives with every single day. She carries that all the time. And she says, it's eaten away at my trust. I don't trust people anymore. She's like, I have my family. I have my close friends. But how do you move through the world and not see it through the lens of someone who has been stalked and almost killed? Yeah. And we use that word really informally, myself included. Yeah. You know, there are some words that have just like lost their power. Sure. You know, like that we overuse like toxic or triggering or trauma. And they kind of like, lo- you know, they, they. It's leverage. Yeah. Not leverage. Is that, that That's not the word. It's weight. That's it's, what I yeah, meant to say. Yeah, we've lost it. We use it as a joke. You know, yeah. myself included. So, you know, it's, it, it really is, really is tag, but there is a st- staggering correlation between women who have been murdered and were preceded by stalking. Yeah. The fact that you just have to wait until something happens is just so backwards. I, I, I you know, I agree. I'm glad she's okay. Listen, she was, she's released some songs. She's released some albums. She's got two kids. I'm glad she's safe, but that is something I'm sure that haunts her in a form of PTSD. It's unfair. Yeah. It's really unfair. It's unfair what a lot of women go through and Jessica, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, you know, I I do want to say a couple of things. We post on social media. A lot of people post on social media. We give people a glimpse into our lives. I love social media. I know I'm a safe person. I know for the most part, you know, everybody who follows me is, maybe. But you know that each picture that you post, just so you know, so you can stay safe out there, there is a built-in location that you can turn off. Oh, on Instagram? Uh, No, on your iPhoto. What? Anywhere. So you can turn that feature 
feature off if you go to your settings. Because if you go, you know, if you look at your phone and it's like 500 pictures in New York, your pictures actually have an embedded tracking system in them. Yes. Turn that shit off. Because that is really, really scary. I actually saw that on a TikTok. Sure enough, it's there. So, and if you are experiencing any thing having to do with this, please speak to someone who is trained to help. You can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline, and they do have people that can help you with any kind of stalking situation. Their number is 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 4673. You can also find them online at rain.org. Rain has two N's. So, yeah, that it's scary, man. It is. Uh, say something funny. Do you know what other song is kind of creepy and I really hate? What? I really can't stay. Oh, yeah. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Then you should go because if you yeah. feel uncomfortable and you feel like you want to go, you should go. I don't like that song. But then he's like, have some more vodka tonics. Yeah. How about you sniff this up your nose? Yeah. You know, who's, you know whose favorite Christmas song that was? Who? Bill Cosby. Oh, dear. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on I Think Not. We will keep bouncing around to all of your favorite true crime shows. We have so, there are so many. A lot. There are so many. Will we ever stop? Uh, I think not. Also, if you're feeling just like we left you out in the lurch and you want some old OWD episodes and shows like See No Evil, Evil Lives Here, Snapped, and Fry Thy Neighbor, you can head on over to our Patreon. That is still there. Just go to our website, click the Patreon link, and you will open up a Pandora's box of old nonsense that you can listen to, all ready to download and binge. We have different tiers for you. And we also have our newer episodes that we put out once a week, so stay tuned. And if you miss that old wagon woman, she's on there too. Don't forget, in our feed are all of our old OWD episodes. All of our content is still the same on all our socials. Our socials have just changed. Yeah, you don't have to resubscribe you don't to, have a to new... do anything. No, none of that. Nope. But we're at Instagram at I Think Not Pod, and that's on Twitter too, honey. How do they find us on Facebook? So, you're gonna go to. This used to be Obsessed with Disappeared. Now it's I Think Not Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. Did, was that right? I have no idea. Well, but I, figure it out. Listen, you're so cute. But the good thing is, is again, it's like it's like when, you, when you're getting a deep tissue massage from me. Just sit back and relax. You don't have to do anything. And don't forget, we are coming to a city near you. So if you are in Nashville, Chicago, D.C., or Seattle, maybe there are a couple tickets left over. We would love to see you and squeeze your face. And you can also follow Joey and I on Instagram. My name is Ellen Marsh, spelled with the Y, and he is It's Joey Taran. That's right. And I just want to say, for those of you who are like, oh, I didn't get VIP tickets. I won't get to meet Joey and Ellen. That's not true. At the end of the show, we always come out, line everybody up, and we will hug, kiss, squeeze, take a picture with anybody who wants to. All right? So fear not. Uh, We can't wait to see you. We can't wait to bring you more of I Think Not. Thank you so much for being a down bitch. Thank you so much for all of your love and support. And we hope you had a happy and safe new year. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Marsh. And I love you, DBs. We love you. Bye. I love that. And I also um, enjoyed uh, 
the pyramid. Um, I would be so good at that game. How did you do on your last game show? Horribly. <laughs> I was so bad, you guys. Can we keep Jesus in this podcast, please? <laughs> you pr- I pray, Milan. <laughs> I've just been in a very bad mood for 40 years. <laughs> just, you know what, Ellen? What? You remember this. What? Jesus is the reason for the season. I know. But you know what the real reason for the season and, is? And stre- and PTSD is the cause for... <laughs> is the down bitches. Maybe uh, our dads uh, found each other somewhere in the universe and they're just sitting just so embarrassed for us both. Being like, we represent that. Yeah. The lollipop guilds. Anyway, um, I'll spread my wings and I'll learn how to fly. I'll do what it takes till I catch the sky. And I'll take a wish, take a wish, make a break, make a break. And we, do we still have bow, bow, bow? I don't know. We don't know our new theme song. Oh, no. It's sung by chickens. <laughs> 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 <laughs>